Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm Rob Ludeman, your host, and it is time to bring the orange with one of our pure VIP guests, Justin Warren. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're one of our analyst influencers here at Accelerate, and you kind of you know, look about what's going around in the industry and you know comment, give us feedback, very valuable kind of role. Love having you here. I always love coming down to Accelerate. It's a, it's a great conference. Uh, it's a great company. And uh, to be here on the 10-year the anniversary of, uh, of Pure as well, is, it's it's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, 10 years. It's, uh, it's, it's really fascinating to think about that, particularly with all the growth and the products and the revenue and position in the market after 10 years. Yeah, the, the way things have changed over that period of time as well, just with the advances in technology and, and the larger market around it as well. So And to be to be here at in Austin as well, uh, one of my favorite cities kind in the US. Kind of an improvement over San Francisco maybe definitely, last year a little definitely. bit. I mean, that's all we'll talk about it. But <laughs> uh, And we'll talk about the positives of Austin. Uh, I love it. Yeah. What do you love about Austin? What's, what's it's, it's got a really fun vibe to it. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, they say keep Austin weird. The, the people here are really friendly. It's it's kind of a, it's a sort of tra- uh, transplanted part of, of San Francisco that they've just dropped in the middle of Texas. It, it's, it's definitely less Texas than it is. It's more California than it is Texas, right? It is. But you also have barbecue, which is excellent. Yes. I had some of that last night. It took me a couple days to find some but uh what's the best what's the best barbecue joint oh, in your that's, opinion that's a that's tough a question right that one's very loaded one. yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I might annoy too many people if i pick one but uh look at franklin's is i i agree is is pretty good um okay. i've had stubs i've had oh God, there's a few other ones that i've had since coming i've been coming to austin for a few years now so yeah, yeah. I, I haven't tried all the barbecue places but i've tried lots of them and uh look they're they're all good I don't think there's any really bad. It's hard to find bad barbecue, it's hard to in find my bad opinion. Barbecue, yeah, you yeah. really have to make it poorly yeah. in order for it not to be good. Um, it, your outfit's called Pivot Nine, uh, it is. which you started a number of years ago. Yeah, we kind of had a, a realization. In, yes. Yeah, found it in 2011. Uh, it actually, took us a little while to figure out exactly what we were going to do. Uh, we were doing a few other bits and pieces, but uh, yeah, right back at the beginning, uh, I had been working for about oh, 10 to 15 years with. Uh, with some other partners in a, a previous very technology-focused uh, consulting. So it's pretty much traditional contracting-type business, uh, doing a lot of solution architecture and enterprise architecture for, for large enterprise companies, um, you know, banks, telcos, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But building out infrastructure for them. Uh, a lot of storage projects, a lot of backup, a lot of you know, network and DBA. I've done, done my time you in the, the trenches. Gamut. You've covered everything. I've yeah. done, done all the bits and pieces, yeah. And that was just, I don't know, I was just starting to get a bit bored with that, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and getting a lot more interested into in the business side of, of running things and, and you know, running those projects and why are we building this technology and the way that enterprises operated that technology as well. So we, part of our design ethos when we were doing these was what we would now call day two design, which is not just for building it, but how are people going to operate and run this? So we, we had some long running projects where we would stand up some infrastructure, but then we'd have to grow that infrastructure. So we were designing for growth and maintenance. And I remember even back then, the idea of non-disruptive upgrades for storage was a really big deal yeah. and it was hard to achieve. So I wish that we'd had, like, I wish Flash had existed. I wish pure storage had existed right back at that at that time and I could have just designed those those would be our storage arrays and it would have made my life a lot easier yeah it is interesting that um, that IT sometimes is done in a vacuum without consideration for people or process yeah right? and, and, and then actually when you flip it around that those are probably the two most important things right as opposed to the, I mean the technology itself sure yeah but if you don't have the alignment of the people in the process that need to go into that 
it's going to be really challenging to make a project successful. Yeah, I, I remember when I went to business school, uh, having it explained to us that um, management is a technology. So, yeah. you know, in the same way that reading and writing is a technology. So if you take a much broader idea of what makes up what is a technology, it's basically something that we as humans have invented. Huh. So things like management is useful because it allows ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So I'm not actually a big fan of the, the idea of like the 10x developer or the, you know, these, these lone heroes who are out there doing everything themselves because that... I haven't actually seen that happen in real life. Certainly there are some people who are better at doing things than others because they, they play to their particular strengths. Sure. But diverse teams are much, much better at, at building something which is going to last and building something that, will, that manages its scale. So being able to coordinate all of those different pieces and, and generally the, the humans are the, the tricky part to yeah, coordinate. You know, yeah. People talk about soft skills and right. like, that's nonsense. Nah. Communicating with, among teams and different people and particularly you know, remote teams these days, being able to do that across different geographies and different time zones, those are hard skills. Technology is easy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have some people who would know if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be uh, you'll know my stickers, my humans ruining everything since forever. <laughs> uh, it's because humans are good. the hardest part of any system. I just started following you today, so I'll I'll, I'll start seeing those. Or you by the end of this things. podcast, or, or, you will or, have or yesterday. You yeah. will have stickers at the end of this podcast. Okay, love it, love it. And I, I'll trade you some that we've got for the Peer Report podcast too. You can excellent go and, and throw that around. I was intrigued the blog post that you wrote back in 2011, saying, "Hey, we're going to go off and do this new thing. Talk to the." To the point that you you came to a realization that technology people and management people uh, don't speak the same language. Yeah, and that and that you were going to go forth and try to bridge that gap. Yeah, that I found was, that really interesting. That, 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 that was the idea. Yeah, uh, it it's it has changed a little bit since then. That's, I mean, that is still fundamentally what we okay. do. Uh, okay. We we do a, spend a lot of more time talking to vendors these days. Essentially, technology vendors trying to help them communicate with humans, because technology companies generally uh, suck at explaining what they do <laughs> in terms that normal humans can understand them. Um, yeah, there, there is a big divide between, I think technology people have, have spent too much time, this happens in every field as well, yeah, it's not yeah. unique to technology, it happens with dentists, it happens with accountants, it happens with all kinds of other people, but uh, like the language of business is finance generally. So when you go and do a business degree, you spend a bunch of time learning about all the different verticals, but it's expected that you understand how to, how to read a balance sheet. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on the board of a couple of organizations and one of the fundamental you know, responsibilities that we have is to understand the financial position and performance of the organization. So getting into that role means that you have to learn certain things. But I think technology has spent too, has kind of focused too much of like, oh, well, we should be just like accounting and, and business people should spend a whole bunch of time learning how to do technology. It's like, well, no, actually technology people should be spending a lot more time learning how to speak in business language. Right. So reading, learning how to read um, balance sheets, learning how to do cash flow analysis, learning how to do project management and you know what is the net present value of this particular project that I'm going to go do? How do I do this sort of, sort of analysis work? And that's, that's part of what we're trying to do is really just broaden the skills that technology people have and show them that there's value in speaking in, in other ways to different people. 
Is the flip side true as well? Do business people need to go and, and get somewhat well-versed in technology? Or to your point earlier, where kind of technology is easier, does that necessarily matter well, as much? It, it matters less, but I still think so, yes. Okay. I, so I, I often get very frustrated with the level of scrutiny that is given by so you know boards and management when they, they have two equivalent projects. One of my favorite sort of examples is I'm going to go and build a factory and it might cost me $10 million in plant and equipment cost. Or I could be running an SAP integration project that also is going to cost me $10 million. The factory will get a lot more scrutiny from people because they feel like they understand it more. Yeah. Um, there's a term called, it's tangible, right? There's, yeah, there's a term yeah. called bike shedding, which is when people have very strong opinions about what color we should paint the shed because it's something <laughs> that they feel they can make a contribution to. Whereas the you know, something like a complex SAP project, there's a, the business people don't really feel that they have an understanding of it and can't ask intelligent questions. So those projects tend to get a lot less scrutiny. And I think that is a big contr contributor to the, the failure rate we have of IT projects, which honestly, you look around at enterprise IT projects and the success rate on those is not very good. What is it? Is it, you know, it's like under, half or under is it, 50%? It's under 50. Yeah. It's under 50, yeah. those things. Depending on how you qualify, what you know, what is a success and what's a failure, uh, but you know, most, you can probably fudge that, but still, yeah. You know. Most IT projects run late and over budget. And you see those? We see it all Pretty the time. Pretty regularly, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we, in fact, uh, the, another thing that people sort of misunderstand is that government, you know, people think that private business is, be, is more efficient and more organized than, than government. Not really. We just see a lot more of the failures from government because they're publicly owned. There's you know, exposure. They, they're they're There's required exposure. by law to, yeah, to, yeah. to do that. And, I think and, if we had the same publication sort of status or, or scrutiny that was put over a bunch of the private projects that get run, people would see that, no, no, these are, it's just common with large organizations where you've got the coordination problem between big groups of people it's yeah. it's all about the humans complexity and communication yeah right yeah. And, and alignment and process and and all those different types of things yeah um let's shift gears to accelerate here sure and um you know we're talking about business types of things but um what about the technology what the technology uh, yeah. is very cool yeah yeah We've got some uh, fans that are waving at us we do <laughs> on the outside they're putting us off Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's been some really good technology announcements at the, at the show. One thing I do like about Pure is, uh, particularly more recently in the last few years, uh, has focused on announcements of something which is GA. Yeah. So you can actually get your hands on the technology today after it's been announced. It's not, oh yeah, we're going to be working on this and it might ship in maybe a year or two. So it, it's, it's great that we had uh, the announcements of what the, the C, uh, so the capacity optimized uh, flash array. Yep. Uh, we had the oh, no, is direct memory. Is that yeah, I got the term right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So direct memory cache, which is mm. which is the t the high end, mm -hmm. uh, which again both GA uh, yep. cloud block store, which is also GA, and and some stuff around Pure One. Yeah, I it, wanted to double click on that with you a little bit because yeah, it's I, kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Sort of toward the uh, you know, Sean yeah. got up on stage and kind of you know threw some things up there, but I know you guys get briefed to a little bit more detail. You know than what we generally can cover in the, in the keynotes. What, yeah. what kind of things did you see? So what, we what we looks got interesting. A, there was a demo given to us uh, by the team of, of what, uh, what what Pure One can do, and I know that I've I've spoken to the team previously about some of the needs that enterprise would have. So the way that the the um, the project, sorry, the way that the product is being developed, is is tracking really well to what I've seen personally and what I see with some of our clients. 
as to what the requirements of enterprises are. So one of the features in the product that I love, love, love is that you can do what-if analysis. Mm -hmm. So you can it will take all of the glorious data, rich data sets that for some reason Pure's customers trust you a lot with because it sends all this telemetry back and has for years. There's a high percentage of those arrays that get phoned home with the data and it's fantastic. It's it's amazing and, and really it's a testament to Pure that, that your customers trust you with that yeah. data given how often we see data breaches in the news, which is a bit of a bugbear of mine. Right. But you have all of this data so you can run quite rich analysis and you know there's lots of hype around AI and, and machine learning and that kind of stuff. But the team is actually using good algorithms, well-designed um, ways of analyzing this data to provide a very useful function. And one of those is, well, we understand what a workload looks like. So for example, it's an Oracle database. We have a lot of data on what an Oracle database looks like when it's performing well or when it's not performing well. So you're able to determine that, well, if we were to say, let's double how many transactions that we need to put through this database, because we're expecting to, uh, we're going to do a big sales campaign, yeah, peak, and we're expecting people period, to come something and, like, yeah, 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 something yeah, like something that. Something like that, right. Or, yeah. And there'll be seasonality. So I, yeah. I know that you've got a uh, the subscription service as well for the, uh, what's it called, so, something, something pro as well, has gone from seven days to three years retention. I forget the name of the product that you, you're calling it. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the brand either, but it's the pro, it's, it's a professional version. It's right? a professional it's a, version yeah. of yes. that, yeah. So right. which is right. which is essentially the Pure One back end is, mm -hmm. is, what's, is what's powering all of that. So that's the kind of analysis that you can do. So now as a customer, I can say, look, well, we're planning this project. We predict that it's going to, let's say, it's going to double transaction rates. That's what we think it's going to do based on the information that we have. Do I have enough capacity and performance in the infrastructure that I've already got on the floor, or do I need to make a change? So I can use Pure One to do that, and I can say, well, just give me what 2x performance or 2x capacity would look like. Will it be okay? No, it won't. Oh, but actually, I could move it to a different array, and you can say, well, what happened if I move this to a different array, or I shuffle some workloads around to just optimize things? What would that look like? Or and this is where it's a really, really great sales tool, and I'm sure all of your sales engineers will absolutely love it, you can say, well, let's create a, a virtual array, an array that we haven't purchased yet, but what if we were to buy a new one and then put these workloads on this new array that doesn't physically exist outside of the simulator? and tell me what that would look like. Yep. So as a what-if analysis, I can now get a lot more confidence as a customer that I'm making the right purchase decision. So when I take my business case up to the CFO and say, I would like $3 million to buy some infrastructure, please, yes. I can show them data about why this is the right decision to make. And that makes that conversation much, much easier rather than I'm sitting here going, well, I don't have any data to give you about why you should give me $3 million. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, and it's, it's an informed decision too, right? I mean, when you're able to, pro and that's one of the hardest parts, right? When you yeah. go provide, need to do that justification. It's like, oh, we're going to spend more money on more infrastructure when we've got all these other projects, yeah. right? Back to your side of competing projects, right? Those things that have more visibility, uh, you know, you're, you're buying the plant or, you know, putting the 10 million into the plant versus the SAP, buying a lot more storage. I yep. put it with it, the plant thing. People can, that's that's easy. That's very tangible and easy for people to understand and to, you know, maybe object a little bit to that. Having this data makes it much easier to justify. Yeah. And and plus linking it to what, what the business outcome is, what yeah. the business benefit is. So well, why am I, do, you know, why do I need this? Because I needed 2x the transactions or 2x the capacity. Well, why did I need the 2x the capacity? Because... We are running this project for marketing, who actually, by the, by the way, marketing has quite good budgets usually, or sales <laughs> is planning to do really, really well. You know, sales is, is increasing. You've said that we, you know, the finance team has said that we are going to make an additional 
30% in sales growth, that translates into 30% more customer transactions or whatever that is in the back end. So now we can say, Mr. CFO or Mrs. CFO, yeah. in order to achieve your objectives, which you've said to the market that we need to get 30% revenue, that's why you need to give me this $3 million so that I can make your thing happen. Now, suddenly, as, as a non-technologist, I care. Yeah. You've, you've given me a reason to care in language I understand, and now we're working together instead of it being IT just sitting in the back back of the office taking orders. Consuming resources, yeah. yeah and yeah. being a pure cost center or, yeah. at, or just being at loggerheads with people and having arguments about whether or not you're doing the right thing. Now it's it's... There's no technology and there's no business. It's it's just business. It's yeah. all business. Yeah. Well, and it's tied to a business outcome, right? Yeah. It's it's got a percentage. You know, if you do this, if you do X, then we're going to be able to do Y, right? Yeah. You do X. You know, uh, if you let us, you know, do this based on this historical data or mm. based on these simulations, we're going to be able to grow sales pipeline by thirty percent. Yeah. Right. Which makes it again, I think, for the executive level, those types of folks, yeah, a lot more tangible than. Uh, we just need more money for a race. Yeah. Right? It's like, what are we going to do? We're going to do this. This yeah. is the business outcome we're going to provide. Yeah. And that's powerful stuff. What other what other things in Pure One do you get excited about or do you see well, the, users getting excited about? Well, the next part beyond that is, is again, this predictive analytics. So yeah. rather than it being, yeah. I have to manually run a what if. Because, well, and that's me providing external information that Pure One doesn't know about my project pipeline. It can't. Right. Yeah, I yeah. have to give you additional information. But based on things like we can see what's happening in your environment and predict exactly when you're going to run out of storage. So then we can tell you things like, well, actually, you should probably go and buy an array here based on how long it takes you to, to actually install them, install things or how long it takes for you to cut a PO, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But also the opportunity for Pure to use the Pure One interface as part of its very as kind of proactive support or going even one step beyond that. And I think that was part of the briefing was, was you've got reactive support, proactive support, and then there's another, another term for it that I can't remember what was used. But it's to going one beyond that, which is when Pure will come to you and say, hey, we see what you're doing with this array. It's like direct memory is a new thing that we've just brought out. We can see the performance profile you're getting on your current Flash Array X we think that it would actually be more cost effective for you based on the purchase profile for you to go and put in direct memory. You'll get this better result and we can show you what the result would be because of how Pure One will analyze it. We, we have the data and we can start showing you how to more optimally configure your environment. And that means that I will ultimately save money because I'm being being more efficient in my right. use of resources. Yeah. So it's useful as an upsell tool for sales, but it is also a useful tool for me as a customer to build that really close relationship with my vendor and and have them be a trusted partner who can provide me with that, yeah. that advice. I was gonna say, it's all about trust really, right? And, and, and providing value. And maybe the timing's not right, right? But yeah. at least you know, you know there's an option when perhaps you know you never have any idea that that would be something that could provide a benefit yeah. right, and they, for a given workload. There's lots of vendors who claim or who try to claim that they're a trusted partner. Everybody with their, says trusted they, advisor. Everyone right? tries it's, it. it's a thing, right? Yeah. It's a thing, yeah. But trust is something that is built over time. And it takes quite a long time to build. It's easy to destroy, as uh, many companies find it to their mm -hmm. peril. But as we said before, Pure has this level of trust with people sending you their data. And the fact that they use Pure One, and if it, if it does provide good and useful outcomes, you know, if those predictions prove accurate, then you will gradually build more trust and people will be able to start doing less with the arrays, like we have with uh, Pure Storage Orchestrator. So 
we should be getting away from the idea of manually configuring LUNs. Like, right. I don't configure RAID sets anymore. Yeah. Who, who does that? Nobody wants to do that. And no one needs to do that. Right. So, and some of these environments, particularly at enterprise scale, these are getting very complicated. There's lots and lots of moving parts. So it does get to the point, you know, we throw in something like Kubernetes into the environment there. I don't want to have to manage thousands and thousands of individual LUN-based decisions. The computer can do that for yeah, me. Yeah. So I can just gradually get the computer to do more of the work, and it's now computer-assisted management. Like we have computer-assisted design. This isn't a new idea, but we're now starting to see the technology and the data analysis come into play where it's possible to do things in infrastructure management that have been possible in other parts of the business. Yeah, it's being applied. Um, how about VM analytics? Something that you looked at when that was that when that was debuted and yeah, it's, how that's I haven't, evolving. I haven't delved into it in a huge amount of detail. I, I think okay. there's uh, again more can be made to to market that. I think from pure to show what it can do. It it is very reminiscent to me of of Tintree from uh -huh. from back in the day, I, where the people who actually learned about Tintree again Tintree sadly didn't capitalize on the opportunity that they had. I think. Uh, and it, it's it's a it's a bit of an indictment there, which it's 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 a terrible shame yes. what happened with Tindry. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I remember talking to Tindry customers and even some people who started as customers and then ended up working for Tindry was they just loved the insight that you could get from VM workload all the way down to the storage. So you can do things like troubleshoot that it's not the storage because, of course, it's never the storage. It's always the network. <laughs> um, why is this VM slow? Or I changed something. What happened? Can you can you go and tell me? And there was a lovely anecdote uh, in the keynote on Monday, I think it was, around, about... Uh, oh, no, sorry, it was in one of the briefings from uh, the F1 uh, Mercedes racing team who were saying that at a particular race, the, the driver noticed when they went over a bridge, or sorry, they went through a tunnel and there was a momentary drop in thrust, uh, a drop in the throttle, and none of their telemetry could pick it up. But the driver felt it in his behind as he was in the seat driving and he said that this is what it was and then pressed a button at the exact moment when it happened. The team went in, looked at the data and drilled right into it in very, very, you know, very detailed and ended up being for about a thousandth of a second there was a small drop in, in throttle and it was because there was a sensor that wasn't adequately shielded from electromagnetic radiation and there was some interference happening inside this tunnel that made the sensor turn the throttle off ever so briefly. So the human was able to determine what it was but they it then had to go back to the team to look into the data, find it, they were able to find it, the engineer to fix and then put it back into the field and then the problem went away. So I can see that kind of analysis being done to VMs when you have all of that rich data all the way down to the storage, plugged into this quite sophisticated analytics engine in the back end that, that you've got with Pure One, I can see people starting to get some of those amazing benefits from just having this analytical power at their yeah. fingertips. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. I, I had Stan on a little while back on the podcast and it was awesome. you know, it was quite fun to have him talking through those kinds of things. And then Cody a little bit before VMworld, right? You know, to again we we didn't just talk about that, but um, those are the kind of powerful things where you know, it's complicated, right? It's complicated yeah. running these heavily virtualized environments and figure out what just simply what the mapping is. Mm. And uh, you know, to have a tool like that I think is, you know, it's gonna help make yeah. things a lot easier. It, it's yeah. an area that Pretty much all the storage vendors are working in, yeah. but uh, Pure is certainly out there. Uh, in, it's, it's quite advanced. I'd say that you have a lead of probably a couple of years on some okay. of your major competitors. Uh, don't slow down because they will catch you. 
but you, you have a bit of a lead at the moment and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, we're going to. Capitalize and we'll, on and we'll, it. And we'll keep innovating. Um, hey, before we roll, uh, any interesting trends or things that you're looking out for over the next couple, two to three years, things you're hearing from customers or uh, talking to other, not not secrets from other vendors, but sure. um, just general trends. What, what are some things that you think people would be interested to uh, to look for? That, I that think you're- the big trend for me is, is uh, kind of multi-cloud realization t- coupled with it's okay to be a sysadmin. Uh, We've we've seen uh, there was there was a few years there where it was all about developers yeah. and uh, I saw that at VMworld uh, just a couple of weeks ago. VMware has relaxed its stance and isn't trying to talk in developer language all the time to people who are essentially sysadmins. Yeah. And it in some cases we've possibly needed fancy new names for things in order for people to take it seriously. So <laughs> calling it a, a site reliability site reliability engineering instead of sysadmin. Okay, that's, if that's that's what it needs. That's just branding. Yeah, <laughs> but the the realization I think that it is a legitimate role that is not going to go away and has value, and that it is okay you know, for DevOps. Honestly, the developers don't really want to play with infrastructure, so the the infrastructure people can and have been learning a lot from developers about how to write the scripts that glue everything together. I'm, I'm an old Unix guy, so when the Windows people discovered PowerShell yeah. and thought, hey, scripting is cool, we like, Yes, it is. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Th- thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, so things like source code control, you know, revision, uh, code revision control, um, go and get a GitHub account. These are the kinds of uh, process and procedure things that professional software developers have been doing for decades. And I think that there's a lot to be learned by uh, system admins to make their own practice of sysadmining better from what they can learn from the developers. But I don't think that they're actually going to turn into developers in the same way that the people who are writing applications and cutting code are developers. Yeah. And in and in this, vice versa, the developers aren't going to become infrastructure admins. They're not going to be they are not going to learn as much about how to run and operate a database. And that's okay. Operating these systems at scale is a separate skill, and I think that people should take pride in that. You know, be a sysadmin and know how to run these systems that underpin all of the applications. You know, know how the storage interconnects with with networks and how that runs a database and where you place workloads on which CPUs and how how Kubernetes works. So the operation of Kubernetes, I think, is just tied into the expansion of the role of sysadmin in much the same way that VMware became an expansion of the role of the sysadmin. Yeah, it was. The Windows admins just learned how to, how to drive VMware. Yeah. And storage people learned how to talk to VMware. And, and in the same way that technologists can learn to speak to the business, it's okay to go outside your own field and learn new skills and bridge across and become a little bit more general. So that, I think, is, is probably the biggest shift I've seen most recently. And I expect that to be continuing for a good two to three years at okay. least, if it's not forever. It might be forever. I mean, that's been a common theme theme through uh, most of the podcasts I've been doing. Is just it, and some of the briefings. You know, I go and, and, and talk to uh, you know different customers that are here on site, and I ask, "What do you do?" Mm. And I don't get a straight answer anymore. Yeah. You know, I was I was with somebody last night uh, out at one of the events, and it, you know, he's he's uh, he's a system administrator. Yep. You know, well, what do you cover? Well, I do things with VMware, and I do things with Windows, and. You know, I'm dabbling a little bit with the little pocket of Unix that we still have that's over there, and I'm getting up to speed on containers. You know, it's very diverse. Mm. The the, the idea of being pigeonholed into just one, you know, one job or one role. Yeah. I I just, I don't think that's a thing anymore. Well, that's something that just perplexed me, I think. It's if you don't like change, perhaps a career in IT is not for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> because that's pretty much the defining characteristic of high technology. It changes so fast. Yeah. That's what keeps me interested in it, honestly, is that there, there is always something new and interesting happening. So I, I really like finding out where the new and interesting things are going on and trying to spot those trends of, of what is going to stick around for a long time and what is just flash in the pan. So we, we had that from James Governor today in the keynote yeah, yeah. where he was referring to things like databases. It turns out relational databases are really, really useful for lots of things. Yeah. They're not going to go away. They're not. And we, I've seen this again with, with the move to um, containers and, and multi-cloud and all this sort of stuff. Like it's now 18 years since the Agile Manifesto was published in 2001 and not everyone is doing Agile. The idea that we're going to write all of our software in containers in the next two years that's not going to happen. We are still going to have VMs. We are still going to have bare metal. We're still going to have monoliths. But we are also going to have containers. Yeah. So it's more of an extension. There's going to be additional new things. And some of the old stuff that's valuable, keep it. Some of the old things that aren't valuable, we get rid of. Yeah. That's just the nature of change. It's having the wisdom to know which is which. That's the trick. Fantastic. Hey, it's been a blast having you on here. Thanks, Rob. i got to let you go off to some other things, and I've got to go rap and save my voice for a little bit Excellent. as well because I'm kind of running out. Anything you want to plug? Blogs, websites, oh, uh, sure. how to get a hold of you, what your Twitter handle is. Yeah, you know, so any of those, what's the best way to keep track of you because you're, sure. you're fascinating. you got a lot of great ideas and a lot of, a lot of really fun stuff uh, that, that's in the head there. Well, the, uh, the easy way to find me online is uh, I'm on Twitter most of the time. It's at JP Warren. Uh, or you can come to our website at pivot9.com and certainly if you're a technology company or a technologist who's interested in getting better at messaging and positioning and just marketing strategy in general, uh, give us a call. Uh, more than happy to have a talk to you. Fantastic. And thanks for your thoughts and insights around uh, Pure One too. You know, great to hear great to hear about that. And I love that we were able to feature that a little bit here with you. Yeah. Yeah. And for more information on uh, Accelerate, go to purestorage.com slash accelerate. And if you want to look into a little bit more of what we're doing with Pure One, go to purestorage.com slash Pure One. I think we've got the vanity URL <laughs> operating for that one. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And thanks for telling colleagues and spreading the good word about the Pure Report. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Justin Warren. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. <laughs>